Good heavens, it's the Bobcast. Welcome to episode 15. And Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, welcome also to the year 2017. Holy shit! Is it 2017 already? Holy shit! It sounds like some kind of future world that we live in. Although it's not. It's really not that different to how it was 20 years ago. That's not true. It's changed heaps. Anyway, I uh, hope everybody had a uh, a good Christmas. Did whatever they celebrated or not celebrated. Did whatever the hell they wanted to do. And, um, and yeah, here we are. New Year. So, uh, as I record this little intro, I'm... Uh, getting ready to fly. I fly out to Tasmania tomorrow morning to do one more show with Josh Pike. We're playing at a beer festival in Launceston in Tasmania. Watch out. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be fun because that tour obviously wrapped up at the end of last year and it was really great, a real highlight of my, of not just of the year, but of the whole Bob Evans um, thing. Of the whole Bob Evans, what? I don't know. It's not a journey. What is it? The whole, uh, whatever. Anyway, it was a real highlight. And, yeah, so now we get to do it one more time at, at this uh, beer festival in Tassie tomorrow, which is going to be great. And so, anyway, so I wanted to try and, you know, push out a uh, another one of these bobcasts um, before I ran out of time. So um, I've just uh, just finished uh, a bobcast with my guest for uh, episode 15, Mr. Simon Day from the band Ratcat. Simon is has been a friend of mine for uh, a long time, like I think probably about twenty years. Uh, I first met him soon after Jebediah started when we first started touring. You know, I I think uh, yeah, we obviously were connected through a, a booking agent. I think at the beginning and uh, and yeah, anyway, we just became friends, and it's a been a friendship that's lasted. And you know, Ratcat were a huge influence on me when I was young. Uh, one of the first, I think, the first. Uh, CD I ever bought was uh, the Tingles EP and yeah just, they were a massive band at the time and they were sort of you know they were ahead of their time in a way I mean they they kind of predated Nirvana as far as you know being a um, guitar rock and roll band that sort of broke through um, to, to, to the mainstream they they did it, you know. They they did that in a big way in Australia about a year before Nirvana came along. And <clears throat> some of the f- earliest songs I ever learnt to play on guitar were Ratcat songs. And and I can remember, you know, really vividly at school, other kids similar to me who were learning to play guitar learnt to play Ratcat songs too. Because um, and just we did the same thing with Nirvana songs afterwards, because these songs were, you know, they're relatively easy songs to to learn, you know. You, you only have to learn three or four kind of bar chords and um, you can kind of, you can play the song. And, and that's an incredibly inspiring kind of thing, you know, when you can actually learn how to play this. You know, like if I was like 13 years old and getting into, you know, Led Zeppelin or something, well, I would have been screwed. I never would have been able to, you know, I never would have been able to play that stuff. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I guess like punk, you know, punk music is so incredibly accessible. As, as a budding sort of songwriter and guitarist and singer because almost anybody can do it, you know. You only have to have, know the very basics and you can you can kind of do the same thing. So, yeah, I, I, that to me was a really significant sort of part of my, my formative years. And, um, yeah, I just think Ratcat as sort of... Um, I think they're underrated. I think that, you know, these days probably they're not given the kind of recognition that they... Um, that they deserve. But anyway, hey, what do I know? I'm just a guy. 
Um, anyway, uh, yes, so usual stuff. Um, there is some naughty language, mostly me. In fact, I think it's all me. I don't think Simon swears once. I swear quite a lot. Sorry about that if you don't like it. Um, probably don't want to listen to this. Um, if you go to Spotify, you can find the Good Evidence of the Bobcast soundtrack, which will include three new songs that Simon talks about at the end of this podcast. And don't forget to also, if you go into iTunes, you can rate and review the Bobcast uh, if you've been enjoying them and been listening to them. I'd love it if you reviewed it on there. And yeah, hopefully I'll be able to get a few more of these out a bit more quickly. It's been hard the last few months. I was on tour for the last couple of months of the year. And then, of course, Christmas, New Year's happened. And um, yeah, kind of everything's kind of, it's been really hard to kind of maintain these. But um, I'm going to try and sort of, my original thought was sort of getting them happening every two weeks, so twice a month. And I know the last three months I've only been able to get one out a month. So um, hopefully I can um, go back to uh, doing the fortnightly thing um, very, very soon. Um, okay, thank you very much. This is Bob Evans, and this is Good Evans. It's a Bobcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Bobcast, my good friend, Mr. Simon Day. G'day, Simon. Hi. Hi. How are you, Bob? I'm very well. You can call me Kevin for the sake of this. You know, okay. You know, <laughs> I know. Sure I, Bob, it's a Bobcast. I know. Though. I know. I, I, I kind of... Uh, it's true. I, I bring that on myself. I, I, I confuse people. That's okay. I like Yeah, Bob. well, you can call me Bob if you want. You know, I might, you know. And, and Kevin. I like <laughs> You can call us be whatever you like. In fact, you know, you can... Some things you might feel more comfortable talking about with Bob than with Kevin or vice versa, you know. You never know. Hey, well, that's it. That's it. Now, that's a, a great way to think. Okay, you can both be my therapist. How, um, how is your new year shaping, Simon? We're, what, what's the date? I think we're like a week into, into 2017. How are, how's your new year going so far? Uh, new year's going well. I have been down to Melbourne, which I love. Um, over New Year's Eve and the, back the last few days and um, taking it easy this week but everything starts on Monday Yeah, yep. in, ter- in terms of getting yeah. things done but that's for myself but in the same token I've got time off work and so I'm feeling pretty good actually New Year's in Melbourne did you sort of do the fireworks thing what was the party like? Uh, hanging with the girlfriend's family so meeting them for, and getting to know them a little more, and uh, we, yeah, went into the city, saw some fireworks shooting off the buildings, and uh, you know, was that a midnight fireworks or do they do it a bit earlier? They do one earlier, but I, I think it was a little smaller. They didn't quite shoot okay. them off the roofs. Oh, okay. the midnight ones, but yeah, yeah, they they were kind of like going off everywhere. Being a sort of a Sydney cider, mm. do you um, do you ever watch the um, Sydney fireworks at New Year's? Well, yes, depending on sort of the opportunity. So. Yeah. The best thing would be to be on a boat in the harbour. My God, that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, and and hire a nice hotel room that uh, overlooks the harbour. That's always pretty good. I saw a photo of of the Sydney New Year's thing the other day, and it was kind of, you know, of the of the Harbour Bridge and all the things going off mm. over the water and all these boats in the water. And uh, like when I looked really closely at the photo, I realised that um, they were like in amongst sort of all these big kind of luxury boats and cruises and all sorts and all sorts of like fishing boats they were like tiny little dinghies and stuff as well yeah, yeah. all kind of all like right next to each other in the harbour mm. and that kind of made me think like it's pretty fucking amazing that you know some guy with like a little eight foot dinghy or something can just like jump into sydney harbour and have like That's you know awesome. the best views of the fireworks there's something about that that i <laughs> i find really that i think is really cool yeah i, I don't know growing up around here there's I don't know, lots of kids I've known that from different schools that have had that kind of thing going on. So it's sort of mm. not too unusual, but, I mean, it, it's amazing that, it, yeah, people seem to survive it all. <laughs> <laughs> no one gets hurt because it sounds kind of dangerous. Well, dangerous is in, like, you know, being, a, being on a tiny little boat in the Yeah, harbor. absolutely. Yeah. And the water itself is, is pretty unforgiving if it's not friendly. Yeah. I yeah, know, Mother Nature. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they're probably everybody's probably drunk, right? Although, I mean, not that you're supposed to, you know. If you're a responsible skipper, a... you wouldn't be drunk. But, but I don't know how, no, how no, they would wouldn't. police it because there's so many boats no. on there. But... Well, exactly. That's right. Mm. How could they? Well, we've been friends for like 20 years, right? Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to work out when we. I was thinking just before. But... I'm. I'm thinking there must be. It must be around 20 years. It's a long time. So, you know, 1997. And yeah. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, like I was thinking, like, I, you know, I'm not sure, like, how much I know. And this is one of the things about this podcast that, yeah. you know, I find I really enjoy is like, the people that I know quite well, but like, there's things about their history and stuff that I, you know, just never talked about and don't know about. Fair so I, I'd, I want to start off just by asking you, yeah. just by getting your, your kind of origin story, you know, like, um, who, you know, who were your mum and dad? What did they do? Take me to your leader. <laughs> Where did you? Whereabouts did you grow up? And just a little bit about your sort of the family life that you were yeah, kind yeah, of sure. born okay. into and brought up, brought up with. Um. Okay. How does it all work out for me? I was born in the late '60s in on Crown Street in Surrey Hills. Can we give away the actual date of your birth? Because I do know that, and it know, is pretty these, fucking these, cool. These days, you have to be sensitive about such information. I, th- I, th- I think it's, <laughs> I think, I think it's a known thing. Um, but yeah, repeated sixes. The uh, the listeners can put that together. It's I'm just sure it's they all can. sixes. It's all puzzles. Yeah. Life is one big puzzle. Yep. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, and uh, grew up mostly on in around Moss, the Mossman area. Uh, okay. And it, and yeah, you know, Sydney. it was all very typical kind of middle class Australian in the seventies kind of thing. Nothing, nothing too unusual. Went to America. My father worked for IBM. Okay. When when he was younger, so we went to America to live for a couple of years. Um, yeah, right. I was going through puberty at the time. So it was kind of right. pretty rough. Foreign kid in the States, funny voice. Got he learns quick. Got anyway. It's all a bit funny, but uh, it, look, it was a good experience. I was a varsity soccer player. <laughs> you know, they had dark grooms. They taught me photography at the age of thirteen or fourteen. Like 
it was a really, really cool thing. All the, like, you know, gymnasiums had the Perspex backboards and there was the whole football field. And this was only a junior high, which would have been uh, eight, seventh, eighth and ninth grade. Yeah. Um, but look, it was a good experience and good fun. There were, uh, so just rewind a little bit. Um, yeah. So when did you go to America? Sort of around the time when you were sort of... I did first, my first year of high, high school at Sydney Boys and then I went to Eastern Junior High for... So I think it was pretty much 7th and 8th grade. Or yeah, the, or yeah. Or 8th and 9th so grade. And then I came back to Australia, went to Sydney Boys and I went to Mossman High and then I did a degree in design. Did going to America for a couple of years kind of, mm. you know, did, was that... Uh, it taught like me a how, lot. How, the teachers didn't care if you didn't want to learn. They'd just like, kick you out or give you detention. And if you did l- want to learn, they would be more than open to answering your questions or putting in a little bit extra time to kind of like right. uh, help you out. So it kind of really taught me just even looking around the, the people in the school and the way everyone interacted because you had your deadheads and your jocks and your preppies and your, weirdo- <laughs> your weirdos. It was so, it's just so like, anyway, it's, it's exactly like the movies, the long... It's so locker, funny, the combination isn't it? lock and everyone with their, their kind of cutouts from magazines stuck in there with a sticky tape or blue tack or whatever. Before you went over there, mm. like, can you remember, like, if how much of, like, what your expectations were? How much of American culture you had already absorbed uh, kind before of, that point? Like, uh, yeah, I think I'd kind of, I think even that early started because I had an older brother and his friends getting into um like late 70s english punk yeah so america so much wasn't yeah as exciting but there there was not much of the american culture that that i really kind of cared for to be honest The the english music was something i was into so i didn't know a lot too much about it other than, yeah. other than the Hollywood kind of glissy glossy kind of things, you know, that really main, right. mainstream view of, of everything, which, which, yeah, is, yeah. which is really quite a perfectly filtered vision if you've never been there. Like, it's, yeah. it's exactly what, what it is. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I, I have memories of um, touring America with gerbs in around the year 2000 and um, playing it, uh, yeah, just playing all through middle America and stuff. And, remember like being at a venue somewhere and you know just going for a walk mm. before because you know you just got hours hanging around waiting for soundtrack or whatever and going for a walk and kind of there was like this high school and stuff and it must have been a weekend or whatever because there was no one around and um so I did, and it was all seemed to sort of open and i kind of like wandered around the grounds and they had yeah this massive big like football stadium with like mm. a track proper like athletics track and everything and this was just a high school mm. but all of the all of the fuck, all of the like facilities were just out of control. They were like, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. So, and and it, yeah, and it was exactly, you know, everything was exactly like I expected it to look. You mm. know, from seeing countless, you know, popular like mainstream kind of TV, like Beverly Hills Nine Two One Zero or whatever. You exactly. Know? It all. How you doing, Dylan? <laughs> you, want, you want to go to a party? <laughs> yeah, keg party. <laughs> <laughs> I went. I did. I went to a few keg parties, even at like fifteen, yeah. which were pretty funny. <laughs> when you were when you were there as, as a yeah, uh, as, as a, a yeah, twelve thirteen. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. It would have been fourteen and fifteen when the, all that stuff was all that stuff was happening. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but whereabouts in the states were you? Uh, you East Coast, just about forty minutes out of 
New York on the New Haven oh, wow. line. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. I catch a train to New York and buy my, buy my killing joke and buzz Cox t-shirts and go down to some Mark's place and yeah, buy clothes and, and whatnot. It was quite, it was quite yeah. odd. Like even just catching the bus at those times as a 14, 15 year old from yeah. 42nd street down, down to kind of to, down to, towards the villages. I don't know. It's amazing. The, Incredible. Do you yeah, think there weren't many people I, did anyway, it, I could relate to? I was a bit, all the energy was very sh- shattered and bouncing around the bus. It was quite strange. So, hang on. So, this would have been. 19, what, what year? A, it would have been 1982, I think. Wow. 79 or Because, six, like. Was end of primary school. Or was that the first? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, about 80, 82, 80, 80. Yeah, around there. Early 80s. I mean, I know that you weren't in New York itself, but um, mm. all the sort of Hollywood movie depictions that I recall, or that I remember growing up, of New York in the seventies and eighties, was it was like really hardcore, you know? It was really hardcore. Heaps of gangs and really well, like a really dangerous we city. To, you know? We used to go and in, into town and buy dime bags or nickel bags. Yeah. From like there, you you could buy drugs on every in every park. There was always someone wanting to sell you something. Yeah. It all got cleaned up by Giuliani Kosh or one of one yeah. of the two. There was a time we were in yeah, Iraq. Hat was in New York, and oh my god, it was um, pretty strange. The, the cops seemed just more crazy than than the kind of everybody else. Yeah, um, right. Anyway, but um, I love all those classic New York, all those films from the seventies and eighties of New York, and like every train is just like graffitied and yeah, sure. Um, there's just there's there was just a real aesthetic that like I recall from that time period of New York the way that it was depicted in it's the Beastie Boys and on screen it's all yeah totally it's a totally and the even Beastie like Boys. Welcome Back Cotton you know that TV yeah, show Welcome yeah yeah I was back gonna Cotton, I was gonna start like singing Welcome Back yeah yeah totally I, yeah I used to that was kind of my how I thought New New York pretty much was until the first time I went there which was like not until probably yeah not ninety nine two thousand. Yeah, and um, very, and it was compl- it was very different. It you know, I got cleaned very up, tourist cleaned up a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, this is Manhattan. I mean, I guess if you went out further, but but even by then, like places like Brooklyn and stuff were already becoming gentrified. And mm. yeah, I haven't been back for ages. I, I, I don't know. I have yeah, no idea what it's either. like. I've, I think I, I mean, last time I was there was like two thousand and oh god, it must be ten years ago, two thousand seven maybe or something. Right. Like that. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's been a while. Um, and so longer for me, for sure. So when you came back to Australia, was there any sort of residual influence of the, that, that brief, those you know, couple of years that you spent in well, America when you came back? I kind of um, remember telling uh, my, f- my friends, Timmy Acton and Eric Heimbold, and maybe Jimmy Carradine, I might have told him, um, that I was going to go back to Australia and, and start a punk, punk band and get a number one awesome. hit. <laughs> no way. Okay, well, so... <laughs> she liked that. Yeah, like no, I was fully into my music. So I was fully into everything. Like, I, and, and I did it. And I kind of went, at one point, I went, didn't I, didn't I promise those kids I would do this? I don't know. Oh, they were my mates, you know. They weren't, they weren't the bullies yeah. that I experienced. They were my mates. So. But anyway, yeah. curious. And, like, I don't know, Eric, for instance, directs stuff and he's moved to Hollywood and he's directing 
things. Mother made sails boats for rich people from one port to another through really rough seas just because they want to spend some time in the sunshine up the coast. <laughs> and I'm not sure about the other guy, but he looks old, a lot older on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of interesting as you get older, seeing the photos of people you grew up with and how they, yeah, yeah. How they look. But anyway, by the same token, that's just what happens. What about like... Um you got brothers, sisters? Uh, older brother, younger sister, older yeah. brother kind of followed in father's footsteps and went into the IBM corporate thing and has been there ever since, I think, really. Was it a musical household? Like not, how did, what not, are, not really. What are, your sort of, what are your kind of first memories of discovering music or getting having you know was there a moment you can remember where you just went fuck this is this is awesome i want to do this it was all about attitude and i think it was probably the concept that punk rock in the do-it-yourself kind of anyone can do this um i'm in your face hello what's your name um here here i am yeah (laughs) kind of vibe you know that i found that exciting so yeah yeah helped helped me and if if you're sort of if you're a creative person, as you are, because I mean we haven't talked about this yet, but I want to like mm. you know you're also you know a really great talented artist and the art and we'll get on to Rat Cat later, but um, and I'm assuming that sort of during that time those formative years that we were talking about already that you were um, you were also kind of uh, getting into that side of your creativity as well, you know like yeah, well, photography was photography is like was I don't know my major interest through tertiary um but it also included it's such a great course visual communications it, originally when i applied it was sydney college of the arts and amalgamated into uts and that's what it still is now but yeah it's almost like if you want to learn how to do everything else other than play the music to market your band to do this course because you, you learn how right. to take photos you learn how to develop yeah. them then have to make them yourself, all right? So ordering you like saving money on your photographer and all, all the other overheads. It, t- it taught print technology. So I knew how to um, do finished art to send to a printer so that they can like finish the job for you kind of thing. So, yeah, and I worked in yeah. a badge factory during, during university as the, as the, I think art director is a very loose term. Really, I was just the artist, the only one there. And I was only there yeah. three or four <laughs> days a week. But I, uh, on every job, I'd always put extra racket badges. So there's there's heaps of, uh, yeah. heaps of different racket badges that were made. Yeah. In when were in that in the mid eighties, mid eighties. There's lots of day glow colors and all that kind of thing. Um, and uh, you know that. Yeah, that course, all the other things. It taught you the concept of well, just illustrating freely of the mind. It gave you insights into how to think towards um, and encouraging an, a commercial enterprise to work. So, you know, like, anyway, it's, it, was, it was good. So, yeah, and yeah. straight after I finished uni, I mean, the band all worked all through uni, so I used all the bromide cameras, I used... Everything to take the photos. Union got the band to a point that everyone was interested, and we signed a new deal and just let it go. It was all good. I want to also ask um, when you started writing songs. Like when? What age were you when you got started my first guitar at fifteen in, in America? 
and I, and I yep. wrote some kind of really corny sort of country-ish songs because <laughs> they got a story. Can you remember any of them? Story. My horse Dusty um, uh, is black. My ho- horse Dusty something something. I anyway. Uh, ne- never coming back, maybe. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it is never coming back. <laughs> it was it was it was originally designed. I remember thinking my brother's going to stop playing guitar, telling me I'm sucked or something. And so I just made up a song <laughs> to piss him off, like. And that, and that was the sort of that was the birth of my songwriting career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, so that's it's like what you were saying before is the attitude. Even though you were writing country songs, you still had it was still from an attitude of punk rock because you were well, trying to piss someone off. <laughs> well, I mean, listen to some of the lyrics in those country songs, like they're hanging me oh, yeah. tonight. <laughs> you know, like what? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Fuck yeah. So there's a space to take it to a you know a dramatic level, which, totally. is, which is always good for a story. So how, how soon after you um, came back to Australia did you um, start playing in bands? And so, yeah. Kind of not too long after. Yeah. My brother's friend played guitar. I was 15. They were all 18. And I just became their singer somehow. A band called the Crybabies. Um, strange group of people, but... Um, <laughs> Our first gig was at the Sydney Showgrounds and there's some weird festival supporting the Sunny Boys. So it was like... Oh, yeah. It was, it was kind of pretty fun. But, that, I mean, that, that didn't really last for long. And rack out, so 15, 16, out of school, 16, 17, right? Six, oh, wait, yeah, 16, 17. So in that period, the last few years of school, I think once I got to Mossman High, because there was a good creative vibe there, really great creative people, Mossman High. One of my friends was a year older. He's directing... Doctor Who episodes. Um, yeah. A, another guy who's he was all all bravados. He's you know he's been traveling the world just taking photos and talking it up and getting the good dollars because he can talk it up. You know. <laughs> it's, it's seriously, seriously. <laughs> um, but by the same token, like oh, good on him and like all, all the good things. I don't mean to be disrespectful. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, yeah, even though no, we were, no. we're laughing because it is kind of funny. I mean, it's everyone has their own way, you know. So, what was the question again? Where were we at? Uh, and Rackets actually, Rackets started on a Tuesday in three-unit maths class, and we played a gig on the Friday, and we had a drum machine. Well, all the the original, the original kind of two people that started it, which is me and Victor Levi. Wow. Um, yeah. And we played. We had a Korg drum machine and we had these, a whole bunch of riffs and I would ad-lib all the words and, and, wow. and we could totally cleared the room, which is what you got to do on your first gig. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. If you don't clear the room, you've got nowhere to go, man. If people love you from, from straight, like, what's going to happen there? Yeah, anyway. yeah no, that's, that's true. Yeah, my, like my memory. See, the very first Jebediah gig... We we didn't clear the room, but I think that was only because it was like a uh, school um, prom, like a ball mm. prom. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And um, so they didn't really have much choice. If it had, <laughs> if it had been <laughs> if it had been anywhere where they could have would have had more of the freedom to just like go somewhere better or leave, I'm sure they would have. We were shit. We were terrible. We played all cover like mostly covers. We had played a few original songs, but yeah. in fact we played we played two Ratcat songs. Really? Well okay. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. We played That Ain't Bad. Yeah. And we played Getting Away From This World. Yeah, cool. Oh nice. <laughs> um, but um we were uh yeah, we were we were terrible. We were shit. Just didn't know what we were doing. But 
That's where you learn, though. You learn best on stage, I think. Yeah, and and, and the, the most important thing at the end of it is, like, even though we, we were having so much fun that it kind of didn't matter <laughs> that we, we were terrible. I mean, we had our enthusiasm and our sheer joy of, of, of how much fun it was to, to play was, like, it just overrid... Is that a word? Overread? It, it, over, it, 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 right? Read, override? Override? Overridden. Overrode. The chicken. It, why, um, why did he go there? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, totally. I think it's totally, totally fine. Okay, to, yeah, not to be perfect on your first gig. To, to be shit at first. Yeah. Yeah, and then you've got somewhere to go, which is up. Were you going out and watching other bands? At yeah, this time? yeah. Who were you sort of? Who were you going to see play? And who, what were the bands that were kind of you know were kind of inspiring you? Um, I guess when I was writing for Racket or or like just in time, I loved. I still loved a lot of English stuff. Even after America, I got into things like America, like X and Circle Jerks and Dead Kennedys. And that kind of yeah. stuff. I didn't really get into Black Flag or anything hardcore after that, or any of that English hardcore either. Um, I don't know. I kind of went to sort of things like Echo and the Bunnymen that had this bit more cool hypnotic grooves and this, this like words and guitar that just come out of nowhere and that sort of thing. Um, abstract stuff. I love the Birthday Party. My God. Um, yeah, yeah. I've seen them a few times back in the day. It's Tracy Pugh even. The Roundhouse, The X and the Scientists. I mean, yeah, I was out seeing bands all the time. I think that's missing nowadays. Yeah, well, I was going to say, like, because I'm intrigued. So, you know, at the time when Rat Cat was starting, mid-80s. Yeah. You know, in the mid-80s, I was, like, still a kid in primary school. And, and the only music we had at home were, like, that represented that time period anyway. Right. Um, were those kind of, remember those compilation tapes? You know, I think um, there was one called, the 1985 one was 1985 Comes Alive. Right. You know, yeah, 19, yeah. 1987, you know, pure hits. And those I would have had Ripper, Ripper 79 and stuff like that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I did, I um, had that one. That was my kind of exposure to music of that time. So it was really mainstream sort of, the, the song like charting songs and stuff and, and, I and what, wonder, were the, what were the songs what songs do you remember from then well like, I can like Michael Jackson yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like it was really huge era of disco um, yeah I mean I like I guess you know as far as Australian stuff goes I suppose in excess I think I I, I never really I don't remember sort of oh, like things like um, Men at Work and um, okay, just what's that song that sing uh, that band that sings um, Hey there you with the sad face go mental as anything place. yeah and live mental it as up. anything or, you there on the dance floor what do you cry for bless <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know I I do have this sort of but like I guess what I'm curious about is like that kind of underground scene what the what was going on underneath all of that you know. Well, something, one of the first gigs I went to, I was 15, it was to the Civic Hotel in, in the city, which still has a venue downstairs. This was actually upstairs. And it was the Kelpies, I think, playing, maybe Positive Hatred as well, <laughs> and some other band. Um, so everything socially in, in that time obviously was 
pretty dark for the lovers of this music because there was it was violent it was um lots of leather lots of spiky hair uh it was still the continuation of that the kind of punk rock thing english yeah there was lots of subcultures like those the, the punks and the mods and then the skinheads and yeah. No one liked each other, and then it was, I don't know. I was thinking about that, that the other day. Like, what, what, what subcultures do kids have now that they attach to? I mean, there's a lot more American culture in in uh, that's influenced things. I think since um, the time I'm talking about to you right now, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Look, I I think, and I mean, even like for me now, like what, like I'm you know a sort of generation out of what's what's going on now, being you know, mm. almost forty, but. I th- like my observations, right, of what's what's sort of happening now is that um, because of the way that people consume music and and through technology and everything, like as in people, as in they don't they pay for it less nowadays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't, yeah, they don't pay for it, but they've also got access. They've also got access to everything, everything at their fingertips. Yeah, you know? sure. At the press of a button, they've got access to the entire internet, the history of music all over the world. At the, at the press of a button, which and is something just, that, you know, no other generation had. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. So, like, in, I can even remember, for me, even in the 90s, um, there was still a, a kind of almost like a tribalism with music, you know. You were, you were into, you were into, like, a certain, yeah, like, music defined or was int- intrinsically linked with these kind of subcultures and stuff. And you, that was your kind of gang. That was your mm. tribe. And you um, sort of, you know, stayed within that. And I think what's happened over the decades is that that tribalism has just eroded more and more. And I get the sense that mm. nowadays kids listen to everything. Like you can have a kid that like will like be really into indie rock, but will also kind of talk about the the virtues of the, of the new Justin Bieber record. Right. You know, yeah, it's being sure. like this great, but whereas in the nineties, like for me growing up as a teenager, yeah. I mean, it, that would have almost been, that would have been blasphemy to, um, yeah, to, to cross say that. No, yeah, I'm, I get that. I'm not saying that one way is right or one, and, and one way is wrong or, or anything. Yeah, you know, no I'm way. not saying that, you know, I'm, I'm not trying not to, I'm not being sort of misty eyed about, you know, things were better in my day, but, um, <laughs> I definitely, I definitely see that as being a real significant difference. And, and look, you know, I, in a lot of ways, I think it's kind of cool that, like, people don't feel the need. There's no prejudice against stuff. Like, people are making up maybe, you know, perhaps feel empowered to kind of go, yeah, I like what I like, you know, and I don't need to be dictated to. There's so um, many different choices now. And you find what you want. That's how it works. You don't, you never, yeah. you're never told what's going to be good by the compilation album that you get because those things kind of don't really exist anymore, do they? Like, almost. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think so. I mean, why? Would, I mean, even like people that, even when now when you put out records yourself, like people might consume them just by downloading certain songs or whatever. And mm. so like, yeah, I, I, would, I don't know. I, I doubt, I guess compilation records still exist, but I, I don't know who's buying them. I mean... I don't know who's, I just, who's yeah. playing records. We, yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I mean and well, how is music being um, disseminated now? And like, it's, yeah. it's obviously different, right? Yeah, it's massively different. Mm. And yeah, I just think that 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 to me seems to be the most significant kind of thing of like 
you know, this, the information age, you know, like this, we live in a world now where, where we have just anything we could, you know, choice is infinite. Ever want. That's right. Mm. And that's like, and, and I guess we've become, we become used to this stuff really quickly. So it's not very often that we sort of sit back and go, fuck, like, this is like amazing. This is so incredible because we become we we absorb new technology so quickly now. And but yeah, I mean, like in the in the space of ten years, twenty years. What do you think is going to happen? It, what tw- do I think is going to happen in the next ten, twenty years? Yeah, like what? what like, do you have do you have any well future con- I, conscience I, predictions? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I've never really been. Um, the kind <laughs> I've never really had the kind of brain that's been very good at kind of uh, foreseeing where trends are headed and everything. But right. um, I think that perhaps the whole there's something about um, like Spotify and all those kind of things yeah. that even though I'm frustrated that it's so unfair to the artists, you know, artists make no money from unless a return isn't there. In- yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how that like the collection societies have allowed that. To be honest, well, but from an art, from an artist's point of view, obviously, I think there's a lot about that that um, template that is really wrong and needs sorting out. But if I think about it purely from a consumer's point of view, mm. it seems like a like a pretty almost logical way forward. Streaming, you know, the whole streaming platform. Yeah, just because like. But what's the difference you know, between? streaming and radio isn't it all the same you know what i mean if I radio so. plays a certain pays a certain license why shouldn't streaming yeah exactly that's my question I guess the, that's the, the one thing i don't I guess understand the uh yeah and, and i guess the only difference that i can that is really obvious mm. is that and it doesn't really explain anything but is just that i think things will change when you can drive in your car and listen to internet-based radio right. or music or whatever yeah, without right. having to kind of play, you know, that it's just coming straight into your car. And I'm sure that'll happen really quickly. Yeah, I'm sure, isn't it? Already, um, yeah, it's got to be. Uh, CDs, obviously, at some point, CDs are just going to disappear, right? I've got to. Yeah, yeah, you'd think so. Vinyl seems to have been having some kind of resurgence. Yeah, vinyl's kind of found a kind of niche and it's kind of, uh, I don't know. It's I'm lovely sure and archaic that. and it just, I don't know, it just sounds good. It crackles, it's, it's not perfect, but it just sounds good. And it's just such a nice ritual, putting the vinyl record on, the artwork, yeah. all the things. The CD, what, in a slot? No, no lifting of the arm, there's no judgment. Even train to your yeah. eye to, like, you know, centred down on yeah. things. I mean, like with CDs too, like it became so easy to just skip tracks and all that kind of stuff. True. You know, there was there was something about vinyl that was a bit, it was like a commitment, you know? Yeah, you yeah, placed, for sure. When you placed it on, you know, when you put the needle down and you start playing a record from the start, you know, it, it's such a pain in the ass to, like, skip songs or whatever. You're just yeah. you're more inclined, well, but, I yeah, think, to just kind of let it, it go, let it play. <laughs> Unless um, you're a DJ. But anyway... <laughs> Anyway, enough of this nostalgia fest. Where the fuck? Where were we? Where were we before? Okay, that? where do we need um, to be? Well, let's get into let's let's get into Ratcat. So, okay, um, you know, and, and one of the things I wanted to sort of quickly touch on because I think it's really interesting is, mm-hmm. um, you know, that uh, there was you you also as well as being you know you were being a musician and writing songs for Ratcat, you were also 
doing all the artwork and stuff as well. And yeah. Something that I remember being so cool about Ratcat was just how connected, you know, the music and the artwork, like you guys, you know, the artwork was so instantly recognisable mm. and unique and that was such a cool thing that I think really could only ever really happen if the musician themselves is creating the artwork as well, you know. It's, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But you, don't, you don't see that thing very often, you know. You don't see it very often. It was just, again, a, a product of my upbringing being that I love punk rock and there was a uh, concept of doing it yourself. Um, I was, yeah. As I ex- kind of was saying before about my education, that actually had all the aspects that I needed to address to actually get myself mm. to that place where I could confidently do it, communicate with the printers, work out, you know, just get it right. It was, it was anyway. Um, yeah. It was just, that's, anyway, my, uh, visual stuff is... Ah, it's my education. I love that heaps. Music for me yeah. was just this sort of drop of expression and this uh, a chan- yeah, yeah. chance to just, I don't know, s- sing some stuff and scream your lungs out and have, have a good time. Engage with something more visceral, maybe, you know? Mm. Yeah, connect yeah. with people as well, you know. Uh, yeah. Be in rooms where other people are having a good time. Uh, being yeah. able to actually play a guitar and sing that people like it you know that's then that itself is yeah. kind of like oh my god can't really do this okay well, let's just try that out for a while i don't know it was it was good to do liberating and it was frustrating uh, also <laughs> in the long journey that it takes to get um you know a, a band to a place where a lot of people can hear it was there a moment and i'm really you know i feel like a bit of a I feel like an interviewer asking this question. Okay. Um, I'm trying really hard to avoid being an interviewer. But but just because, you know, there's so much to the Ratcat story and we're not going to be able to get through all of it. Mm. We've already been talking for a while. Mm. Um, Was there a moment when things really exploded for the band and you kind of... Was there ever a moment where you kind of went, oh, fuck, like... There was Something. a couple of those. Uh, that ain't that ain't bad in itself. As a song, I just loved it. Um, record company didn't think it would be the one that break would break us anyway. It did. Really? It did. <laughs> um, <laughs> <those> stories. <laughs> don't don't go now. Listening to the final mix of Don't Go Now in whatever studio we're at in some building in the city. Don't think it's there anymore. Um, I remember just kind of having a, a, like, oh, shit. I think I said out loud, we need to sl- slow this down. I wasn't talking about the music. Yeah, I was yeah. just talking about, oh, fuck, this, 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 this. Anyway, there was a kind of a moment then. Actually, writing That Ain't Bad was also a bit of a moment. Yeah. Because I wrote it in, like, ten minutes, which just kind of came, came to me. We were in a crossroads between independent record label and major record label, and there was all this rah-rah and... and you know, record label wars and money figures and things that you just kind of yeah. go, what are you talking about, man? That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, there were there was a period of time where I think it's fair to say that, like, you guys were kind of became, like, teen kind of idols and stuff. And yeah, you were being, crossed you know, over. Lit, were you, like, 
literally being chased down the street by screaming teenage girls in Beatlemania style? Or there was or is there that, was know? one time. The funny <laughs> the funny thing is for the whole situation to to occur. Things went off. I don't know. It took about six months for people to have seen it on the television. I'm like a bit because there was lots more music television shows, as in greatest hits yeah, or yeah. smash hits or all those things. There's a lot more interest in bands and groups. Yeah. Um, the information wasn't so fractured. So um, it really to kind of like t- t- took off from all those things. and just. I guess I'm just trying to sort of get an idea of just snapshots of, you know, what that time, you know. That it was insanity. In the- and we toured within excess and... You know, I, I spent six weeks hanging out with Michael Hutchins. That was an eye-opener for me. So they um, that was in excess doing an Australian tour in Ratcat. X-Factor tour. We were the support. And, that was the, and you guys were the main support. Yeah, we were pretty much the, yeah, the only support. Well, what year would that have been? That would, uh, that would have been 91. That, they were big. We were selling more records that, uh, than them uh, a few uh, over a few weeks of that tour. Do you know the, uh, yeah. Wow. Anyway, maybe one of them was a bit upset about that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's yeah. okay. I'm sure they're over it. Um, but yeah, no, so we had like 75% of the stadiums full when we were playing. So it was, it was quite amazing and an eye opener because it was a very kind of, it was almost before everything fell apart, but it was just that whole super band vibe, you know? Did you ever see Rat Cat as being that no kind of no yeah. no way yeah it was a band we made up in school and uh, just, you know yeah. we got to make some records awesome indie indie rock punk kids from the city that's that's mm. who, who I was I wasn't there was one time actually someone from Waterfront Records said, said to me one day he goes I reckon the Hellman could be like the next Midnight Oil and I remember looking at him and thinking how can you even think that any of these bands yeah. on this label could like do that? Like it just didn't yeah. didn't occur to me that that was possible at all. It was it was. But you know, there's something about that, and I've heard that 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 line, you know, has been spoken by people in the music industry, especially record company people, but lots of others mm. for 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 a long, long time. I mean, that was I remember hearing that in the '90s. You know, for in my when Jeff and I were first starting, it was always like you know the next silver chair. Right. This whole idea that, like, you know, that, like, a, a, an iconic band, in this case, an iconic Australian band, with mm. not all of Silverchair, that, you know, that has this sort of six, this unique kind of breakout success. And then this idea that everybody has to go, oh, you know, we need to, you know, get, create our version of that. We need to get our piece of that. We need to find a band that's going to basically do exactly the same thing. And it never happens. Like, mm. There was never another Minaral. There was never another Silver Chair. True. You know, there were a lot of other great bands that kind of came up and did their own great things. Yeah. But this idea of replicating another band's success and story, I, I you know, I hear that. From, I've heard that from people so many times and I, 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 I find it so... I find it really a, such a frustrating kind of concept, you know. Like it's a disappointing. Yeah. I'd be disappointed if I knew if I knew when I was what I know now when I was like, you know, first starting out as a band. 
yeah. and somebody said to me, oh, I think you guys could be the next silver chair. Yeah. I'd be like, I'd be like, oh fuck, really? Like, it's not because I don't, I don't respect silver chair, but but just because like, is that really, is that your plan? <laughs> is that your, is that your yeah, plan? Yeah, I guess it's like, all the comparison. The so the industry itself is a, a little, I don't know. They dropped the ball, did they? That's what people say. Well, I don't, I don't know what it's like now for new bands who are, you know. I, I, I honestly, I don't know what it's like. I mean, yeah, it's, me neither. I don't know what the, I've sort of, you know, become, I don't know, I guess as you get older, you sort of just, more and more you um, just kind of go into your own little kind of orbit, you know. Mm. Um, yep, yep. And, um, and that's, and that's fine. So I don't actually know. Maybe I should. I should probably do some podcasts with some young musicians just to fucking find out. Yeah, absolutely so, sure. What's the music? What's the music industry like now? Because I've got no fucking idea. Well, I, you Even know, though. I'll talk to their managers. <laughs> talk to Flume. I wonder what. What do you think it's like for Flume? Well, yeah. I. I you know. I, ultimately, and you. I don't know if you know this. I'm. Pro, I'm sure you do. But like, all you need is one great song and you can travel the world if it gets picked up everywhere yeah it's like yeah. um you know there's something untouchable where you, where you can't you know you can't touch music you can only hear it it's yeah it's one of those strange things i mean you, if you got your people around you you've got your momentum you've got the songs because you're so excited about where you are then that's when everything just kind of goes and blossoms and becomes mm. real and yeah it's it's amazing how sort of historic pe people are i mean music sort of never goes away you're always mm. searching music that you heard when you were young or other people mm. played you that they liked it and a lot of i don't know it's one of those things yeah it's so much music now yeah and, That's right. and, yeah, and old music is still valuable, so that takes up time, I mean, old, in people's mm. lives. So to search new music, if they already know this stuff that's good, kind of makes it hard, I guess. The amount of new music that's constantly being put out now is, is, is out of control. It's crazy. And, ah. and yeah, like, there's also so much music from the past that I still haven't discovered. I mean, there are so many, like... Mm, exactly. People, and exactly. like... Exactly. There's so much of it. Like... There's people, there are like these iconic artists from the past mm. that I don't, that I just haven't invested the time into appreciating yet. And because you haven't you know, had the time, because this modern world is just full of distractions <laughs> with information coming at you through your telephone, your computer, <laughs> your your pad, all of whatever those things that, yeah, that yeah. people have. Uh, you know, there's there's so many more screens in shops with that have LED lights projecting something on you know like to you it's crazy it's yeah i think it's really hard to just sit down and be still for people yeah absolutely yeah and i think it's just it's only getting harder well unless you gotta want learn how to embrace it i reckon learn, learn learn how to just harness all that energy and just kind of reflect it back and just be bigger than it all somehow somehow at some point if something is just like something's just going around in a circle, right? Faster and faster and faster and yeah. faster. There's only one possible outcome from that. And then, and that is that it's just going to blow up, right? It's just going to Yeah, explode. collapse or be, yeah, yeah, sure. Or fall apart. And that's, yeah. And that's kind of what, 
it feels like <laughs> you know everything to do with the modern world <laughs> it's just well it's just this hottest summers in on record and or hottest year last year on record apparently i think it was in in, in yeah. my hometown so that's uh, no I, I mean i think glo- like globally 2016 was the hottest year on record i think right okay the past 2015 2014 i mean it hasn't every year hasn't got hotter exactly there are some abnormalities but generally the trend is you know the heat makes people crazy it sure does the (laughs) the heat makes people crazy crazy but also technology i mean like technology is advancing so much faster than what than we are capable of being able to manage it you know i wonder who who the people are, are that are thinking it up all the time like, like, know, isn't it? like Google and Apple. <laughs> no, they're, just, they're not people, they're corporations. It's actually someone that's <laughs> kind of gone, oh my God, I can make this. Like, who are those people? I want to meet yeah. those people. They'd be fascinating or, or really awkward, yeah. one or the other, I'm sure. Because someone yeah. has to have the brilliance. Where do we find, where do we find them, Kevin? Anyway. <laughs> On a fucking island somewhere, probably. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, so let's move on to the final stage of the Bobcast, which is this thing where I ask my guest to reveal some of the songs that make up their top 25 most played list on iTunes. Yeah. Do you, are you an iTunes user? Well, I use iTunes for, to, to put my CDs into my computer that I have over the last 10, 10 years. I did just get a, like a new record player, so I haven't been playing my iTunes so much. But um, I've got a random selection here that looks pretty good. All right, cool. Well, how about we, uh, you know, the way that this game has kind of evolved is basically I'm, I'll just throw a number at you yeah. and you let, tell me what, what the song is. Okay, no problem. And, um, and what, what happens too is that um, I've, I've got this uh, playlist on Spotify. It's the, uh, it's the Good Evans It's a Bobcast soundtrack. So oh. for every episode I, that I do, I get three new songs that my guest uh, gives me and that goes onto the soundtrack and you yeah. can find that on Spotify. So, well, seeing as though you're, because of your birth date, mm. um, what's number six? Number six is actually a Rat Cat song. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Brilliant. You yes. know what? I love that just because now that's for no other reason than it's a great, excuse to put a rat cat song on this playlist baby's got a gun my friend oh cool baby's got now, this a gun is an old, this is a older rat cat oh, song yeah waterfront maybe... song it would have been on the waterfront record yes label um, so yeah one, one of the early late early late 80s songs it's so baby's got a baby's got a baby, gun off baby's um, got a gun this off. nightmare it was a single i think it is on this nightmare yeah. um and it's kind of pretty much all about cartoon imagery, and so it's, uh, yeah, it's just about a girl that's got everything and does just ticks all the boxes, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But it can, it could be a, a girl talking to a boy. There's no gender. Like it's just about my baby, being my kind of loved one, my you know the the person that I dig. There's yeah. there's definitely like a you know a thing about. The, particularly the, I guess the earlier kind of rat cat stuff but, mm. but all the way through where there was this kind of combination of yeah like um, cartoon like and this is why I think the art the art you know is so 
was such an important part the, of it too. The, the art really reflected the words. The, it, looked, it looked like it was coming to life because, oh my God, here's this chick with a, with a gun fully cartooned up. I mean, I got in a little bit of trouble because um, um, maybe uh, some lady at a ready station in Adelaide who might have been a bit of a feminist decided that the cover of Blind Love was, um, I don't know, degrading of women or something. Okay. And I kind of was like, um. oh, but she has the power here. She's ripped the heart out. And she's blinding the doctor, the male guy. So I'm really unsure. Yeah. It's, and by the way, it's a drawing. Like, mm. it's a drawing. Anyway, but mm. there, was yeah, that's so, there was some of a kind of, you know, young boy kind of fantasy concept in the way that yeah. the women might have been drawn at the time. But hey, man. Yeah, well, there was, a, there was a comic, was. almost it's a just, comic book, like mm. a, a comic book kind of cartoony kind of um, aesthetic. Yeah, that, exactly. That that artwork, you know, which I think, yeah, I mean, all the words were the same, you know. There was, you know, I woke up this morning when I fell out of bed. I was having a nightmare. My father was sticking needles in me while my mother poked me in the head. Whatever, you know, like it was all very yeah. sort of visual, like a country song, but yeah, with yeah. Donald Duck lyrics. Yeah. Not Donald Duck, something a bit more Ren and Stimpy, but Ren and Stimpy didn't, <laughs> didn't exist, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the idea was for it to be quite tongue-in-cheek and bubblegum and throwaway and for it not to exist yeah. very long. Like, I really just gave a song three months and then it was time to write a better one. I remember, um, and I, I think I might have told you this after I had this kind of realisation, but I was driving to the airport... And it was, it was only like maybe about two years ago. Mm. Um, and I was driving to the airport and I was listening to... I can't remember if I was listening to Tingles or Blind Love. Maybe no. I listened to both. Yeah. But I hadn't, you know, I'd been... Uh, I'd, not, you know, I know those, that record and that EP extremely well. I listened to them heaps when I was younger. But mm. I think it was one of those things where I haven't listened to this in ages. So I'm going to have another listen on this drive. And it's sort of kind of a, like... For the first time, I sort of started to formulate an idea of like the influences, and I thought like it's kind of like Ramones crossed with My Bloody Valentine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could see why he would say that. I don't know. All the early English punk had the same melody of say something like the Ramones. I love the Ramones. Don't get me wrong. And but we we were also working in the nineties where there was like shoegazery stuff. So things like My Bloody Valentine, Jesus and Mary Chain. Um, in particular, were kind of, you know, it's kind of for me. It's I don't know. It's kind of like the buzz po- buzzcocks mixed with the Jesus and Mary chain. That's in my mind what we were doing. I make that comparison with the greatest respect because it's like kind of trying to sort of, you know, even though when I was younger and I was listening to it, I didn't care about that kind of thing. I was yeah. just absorbing the music, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I guess like you know, having time to kind of be think overthink it um it kind of i don't know it was just it 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 was just an for me it was kind of an interesting perspective that i hadn't really had before of like oh wow you know like maybe you know this is an element of what was going on that i'd never really kind of considered before you know yeah and um and and what a beautiful it's like you know a, a beautiful marriage right you know like having an understanding of perhaps you know these two kind of quite different things that work really well together that nobody until you guys had 
perhaps kind of put those two energies together before. Yeah, right. Oh, for, um, for me, just nice melodies and really distorted guitars was kind of what I was like. Yeah. That's what I liked, and that's that's what I was trying to do anyway. Yeah, just, and that's what that's what I fell in love with. Mm. You know, when I first heard Rat Cat, absolutely, mm. what I fell in love with just something that was fucking loud but really, really melodic, and yeah. um, and that's pretty much you know exactly the kind of you know energy or attitude or whatever that i took into you know when i when Aww, started and i started playing in bands beautiful that, kevin that attitude because <laughs> and it, that's and that's kind of always what i've kind of liked you know um, yeah yeah no i, I hear guess, you i so guess you... rat cat and then shortly after that obviously nirvana but yeah. rat cat first was the first time where i guess from uh, you know and I, at the time i was like 12 or 13 yeah the first time that I'd heard that, you know, that I'd yeah. heard someone playing really loud, like... A bit of edge. You need a bit of edge in there. Yeah, guitar, but with, like... Because at the end of the day, I love, I love, you know, melody, you know. I want to I wanna hear, like, you know... Uh, I want to hear melodic kind of tunes, mm. but... Yeah. But it's, you, you know... Want, you want hope it. and positivity in there somewhere. Yeah. You yeah. can still lament, but you still... You need hope in that lament. All right, how about number 14? 14, all right. Uh, I think it's Daisies of the Galaxy by the Eels. All oh, right. Is, yeah. that so, so is that a song off the album? Off, yeah, Daisies the same album. I think it's in the, it's, it says that it's... Yeah, it says it in the album as well as the song. Yeah, yeah. Right, so tell us about this one. I, the Eels, Marky, Marky, what's his name? Marky... I know, oh E, doesn't he just call himself e, Marky Everett or something? I don't know, but anyway, you know who I'm talking about? E. I don't he know. He just calls I, himself E, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, lo- I just love his songs. I love his melodies. I love the simplicity of the production of all that music. Yeah. It's just really stripped back and just like a, a band doing their thing. Yeah. I, think, I think that's often really, really important. Um, yeah. And it's again, it's melodic and it's got an edge and it's coming from a quirky mind, and all of all of the songs of his, I'm like, I really enjoy. Mm. The, the eels, yeah. Are, no, I'm a big eels are good. big fan of the eels as mm. well. Um, my first record, uh, my first kind of exposure to the eels was that sort of, you know, I guess what you would describe as their break breakthrough kind of. Song Nova came for the soul. Nova came um, for the yeah. soul. Yeah, I, I think one. it might have been their first record. It was, um, if it wasn't, it was uh, probably the, f- the first on a major. Um, yeah, right. And absolutely love that record, and still to this day love that record. I love the production particularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Simple. But yeah, I I don't have Daisies of the Galaxy. I've, that was maybe their third album. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Soul Jacker. When was Soul Jacker? Was that fourth or? Th- that was after Daisies. Okay, right. Then it must maybe the third. Yeah. Maybe the third. Um, all right. So one more. Maybe. What's number t- two? Number two. It's Susie and the Banshees. Oh, great. The staircase. The staircase. Yeah. That's. Uh, let's have a listen. Footscray Park is number one on there. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that's great. Yeah, I, I, wow. yeah, that's a good. One. Um, yeah, my my twenty five top list is 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 more of a random uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Display of upcoming and recently played songs and yeah, because yeah. my top twenty five is like three albums that I'd listen to over and over again. And, I know and, that's what mine. So, so this is this is a perfect. I, I've, you yeah. can hit refresh. So I've been doing 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 that. And anyway, Bob yeah, Evans yeah. came up as number one there. And <laughs> so no, I'm just saying. Like I look at my top twenty five, and yeah, because I still tend well my listening habits as uh, recorded by iTunes uh, reflect the fact that I obviously still listen to records. You know, if I don't listen to the whole record from start to finish, I listen to most of the record before I stop. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. like my top 25 is like probably a mixture of a, probably about four albums. Exactly, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but but, but, um, but I, thought, I thought this was it, a more creative way, but I'm, I'm letting you know, but, but I think this is a... I'm still counting down to whatever the number is, but it's it's just. Well, educate me on Susie and the Banshees because I'll, uh, I'll sort of I'll come out and admit it now that even though I I you know I'm well aware of of, of who Susie and the Banshees are, yeah, I must admit I don't own any records and okay. I don't know that much about them. Um, Susie and the Banshees again, English punk uh, era, Brumbling contingent. Sid Vicious actually played drums with them, I think, uh, early in the yeah, few. Right few gigs so they would be playing with you know all the bands that be mate with mates with you know the pistols and all the the rest of it um right i met Susie sue and budgie jose brought yeah. out the creatures in year 2000 as part of the uh, olympics music festival something something cultural right. exchange yeah. Anyway, she was hilarious. She was very, very generous at dinner, talking about things like going on Reg Grundy, and so there was a whole big uproar in the '79, I think it was, with the Sex Pistols yeah. and Susan the Banshees. A whole bunch of those people were there, and they were like, kind of just swearing on television and just being obnoxious. Oh, mm. yes, I know. So that's right. Mm. That's the clip where. Yeah, they're, they're, what is that? It's like Reg some kind Grundy. of, is it like a, like a, a late night show in yeah. English television? Yeah. And, he, and he's kind of like egging them on. Yeah, he's going up, like they're say, going up yours. Like, you sod off, you yeah, yeah. dirty, rotten bastard and all you that kind of shit. Dirty rotter. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I've seen that. Yes. So she was one of the people on, was she like? In yeah, the, so oh, she, oh, would, oh. she was there. Yeah, she was, she was there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. That's dirty I mean, fucker. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh fuck! That's amazing. That's so, so funny. That is like so, and it's all that spirit that's inspired me to want to do music. You know, like it's, it's all, it's all, <laughs> it's all of that stuff. You know, kicking against the pricks, fight for, punk rock's the war against you know commercial music. You know, it's you, let's, you've got to yeah. do something different. We've got to change things up. This is crazy. It's it's all a youthful yeah. rebellion, really. But which but, is you know, what Simon, all good rock and roll is. You've you've had an experience that you know a lot of musicians don't have and that is that you kind of infiltrated the mainstream yeah for a while strange, and and, and kind of lived you know you experienced like the extremes of both worlds i reckon in a True. way that like a lot haven't you know it was a quite a roller coaster yes so where does that kind of like leave you now obviously you're still like making music and yeah i've been doing all sorts of things i mean i work mostly now in uh television land as an offline yeah. editor, which is basically working with a producer to cut all the images together to build the story so that it works. Mostly doing reality TV, things like uh, The Voice and thir- First Dates. Um, 
I've worked on the Mythbusters. I've made heaps of film clips for different people. It's made, I made the last Preachers film clip uh, before oh, I yeah. started my last job. Um, they made some mine. Uh, I, I write, I've been working on this project called Bob, Bobby the Bear, Lavender Bear. So I've been that? editing that. It's a, it's a kind of, there's a lavender farm in Tasmania called Bridistowa State. And um, a mate of mine who's a producer was down there doing a tourism Tasmania job, kind of shooting stuff and whatever. And saw that this, this farm has a whole bunch of different lavender products, lavender pillow, la- lavender oils, <laughs> lavender whatever, but also this la- <laughs> lavender teddy bear. So Ben right. Ben decided he was just going to make this bear a star. So in the last two, <laughs> two years, there's, it's all puppetry and it's beautiful. It's all it's been licensed out through ABC International. I think this is all kosher. I'm sure I can talk about it. Um, yeah. And uh, it's it's apparently on all the international airlines as an option to watch. Um, and so I've currently been. It's, it's that's all been going on for a couple of years. It's going to be a long haul, but. But it's potentially a very going to be a very famous little cartoon bear thing. Um, awesome. So I've been writing actually sort of a kid's pantomime based around that at the moment. Just or writing songs that could be included in the pantomime, which will probably happen. So, which will probably happen in a few years. It's like it's a long term, long term project. So I'm just. I'm just kind of helping things along by, you know, making some stuff that they can discuss and talk about because it's it's grown into something bigger than, bigger than just Ben and his idea, <laughs> you know. But but what um, just like how, what's a pantomime again? Pantomime. So it's like a kids show, like say the Wiggles when they come out in the car. Where's Jeff? Is he asleep? All that stuff. So it's it would yeah. be a stage show that you put on in theaters for kids. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and depending on how big you are, the props you use and all the rest of it. But the idea would be, yeah, just put put on a show. Like, so it's like a, a set of music, but with, you know, char- characters performing mm. dances and getting kids involved in, you know, participating and things like that. So at this point, I'm, try- I'm trying to think as generally as possible. The, the music I've done already is... Is is good, but I need some more up tempo stuff. I'm lacking in my up tempo, and all the happy, silly, silly stuff. Mm. You know, look, Simon. If you, uh, you know, if you ever need some, you know, free ideas, just let me know. I'll uh, well, look. Throw you. No, no, no reason <laughs> we can't write, write a silly kids song together. And, um, and what about and what about Rat Cat? Because I know you guys have been, you know, been playing sporadically. Um, yeah, we've been doing. Uh, we, few winery shows and the odd headline show of the last few years we've got um april sometime at hope estate in hunter valley oh, yeah, yeah so that's yeah. something coming up with you and mine who the gurus that's gonna be i think awesome. it is yeah and ganga jang yeah. and steve kilby and somebody else i think somebody else or maybe that's it what do you get out of playing live now you know like when you play those you know when you play record songs just just seeing the happy faces if if um, my voice is feeling good and warm and I'm enjoying myself, there's nothing better than and my hands are going to the right place on my guitar. That's if I, all that's connected. There's nothing yeah. better than just yeah. seeing the happy, smiling yeah. faces singing along, having a time of their lives, remembering their childhood. Yeah. So I, it's important for me to play to their memories. So I I do try really hard to be more proficient these days and get it right. 
so that they kind of go, oh, that's how I remember it on the record. Because, you know, it's sure, in yeah. the, in, it, back in the day, mistakes were kind of like, ah, who cares? Like, it's just rocking out, you know? Yeah. So, but look, uh, uh, you know, if I'm in, on top of all that, it's just seeing the happy, smiling people it just gives me a bit of a kick. Uh, you know, I just go, really? Look at all these people having such a good time. This is awesome. Where am I again? How did I do this? Like, really? Is this happening? Then I look over at Nick and he's just got a goofy smile. And there's Ruben kind of playing away, concentrating heaps. And I just go, and this is great. No disrespect to previous members of Ratcat, but having seen you guys play, you know, I think it was mm. the year before last, um, with that lineup, I fucking yeah. love that lineup. That lineup is really it's, it's, fucking it's, good. It's it's beautiful you know, and it's nice and tight and everyone knows their role yeah. and it's it's just super easy basically. It's no stress. It's lovely. Um, all right, thank you so much, Simon, for my uh, pleasure for doing this for me. Um, thank right. you. Take care. All right, cheers. See, See you. Mate. Bye. Bye. Bye.